Well, good morning. Let me welcome you to Crossroads. We are excited that you're here. Welcome to those in the auditorium and all those, also those who are joining us online on Facebook Live. It gets redundant to say it, but I have to say it. If you're watching on Facebook Live, live share this from our page to your page because it's so important that we get to expose uh, the worship here at Crossroads to as many people as we can. So even if you have your phone maybe here in the service and you want to go to your Facebook page and you want to share it from our page to your page, again, that just increases the people that be, are able to engage with us exponentially. So I encourage you to do that. You know, I, I was at dinner a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I truthfully can't remember where I was at, but uh, I think I was probably with, it was just me and Jenna Lee, and uh, that's my wife. I, her name is Jenny Lee, and I just run it all together. It's Jenny Lee. So never, nevertheless, uh, I, I said to her, I said, you know, I never would have thought we would have to live through what we've lived through the last year. Can anybody agree with me? I never thought in the entirety of my life that I would have had to live through the things that I've had to experience over the last 12 to 13 months. And knowing that, I'm going to say something that you don't want to hear. Here's the thing you've got to understand. Your life is going to be defined by the last 12 months. You say, how do you know that? I'm telling you, your life is going to be defined what happened over the last 12 to 13 months. Because, see, here's what's going to happen. In the future, you're going to reference your life as the things that happened before 2020. And you're going to reference it as the things that happened after 2020. I have no doubt in my mind that as you look at your life, you're going to refer to your life from those two angles. We'll talk about before 2020 and we'll talk about after 2020. Now this morning we're in week two of our series, Unlock. Uh, and last week we kicked off this series by saying that during the last year, if there's anything that all of us in this room would admit, those watching online, we've experienced anger. And one of the things that we've started to see is in our culture, in our society, anger is contagious. And not only is it contagious, anger is something that we're also starting to experience. On every level we're experiencing anger. And I said it last week, the interesting thing about anger is that, that one person's anger actually triggers the anger in another person. And, and not only is anger something we're starting to see in our culture right now, but it's also something that many of us would admit that we're actually starting to see in ourselves. And I said it last week, and I think it's, 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 it's really kind of a, a great insight that in your life, anger is like a smoke detector. I mean, that, that's really what anger is to your life. Anger is like a smoke detector. And, and the, the thing we have to understand is that the, the problem when we have a, uh, the smoke detector going off in our house, the problem is not the smoke detector. The smoke detector is flashing the lights and making all the noise. But the smoke detector is actually telling you that there's something else going on in your house that needs your attention. And really, when you think about anger, that's what anger is. Anger is telling us that something else in our life needs attention. I, I, I told you last week that anger is this baffling, kind of weird, kind of hard-to-understand emotion. But it, it's really what I call the second emotion. Anger is like a smoke detector going off. And the root of almost every anger is not anger itself, but it's one of three primary emotions. And last week I told you that those three primary emotions are this. It's hurt, frustration, or fear. I mean, when you get angry this afternoon, when you get angry this week, ask yourself the question, why, wait, 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 why am I getting angry? And I can almost guarantee you that your anger can be traced back to hurt, frustration, or fear. I mean, just look at the last 13 months. Just look at the things that have turned the last year or two months, you know, 13, 14 months. Just look at what's turned our world upside down. And it's easy to see why you and I are filled with hurt or emotion, hurt or frustration or fear. 
So this morning, I, I want to look at a verse that we're using as the foundation for this series. And it's actually a verse that was written by James, who is the half-brother of Jesus. And James says this in James chapter 1, verse 20. He talks about anger when he says, Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. What, what, what is James actually saying? He's saying that you need to understand, Randy, anger is not good for you. Not only, anger, not only is anger not good for you, it's not good for your soul. It's not good for the people around you. Anger is not good for the people you love. He simply says, and he instructs us to understand that human anger does not produce the things in life that God desires for you to have. Now today is going to be a little different. Because I told you last week that if you want to see where the angry people live, where did I tell you to go? Go to the comment section of any post on social media. Because the comment se section is where the angry people live. I mean, ju just look at a post and you'll see that's where the angry people are. And, and over the last week, I've taken the time to, to read the comments on different posts on different news sites. I've looked on social media to, to see, and, and, and listen to what I'm saying, to see and to hear the words of activists on all sides of every issue. And I have come to a conclusion. And the conclusion is this. Our anger is turning into hate. Our anger is turning into hate. And it scares me. And the reason it's so scary is because if I'm not careful, that hate is something that I'm going to start to see in myself. You see, one of the things that I think is changing so quickly is how easy, in this country specifically, how easy it is for us to hate each other. It's changing so quickly how easily you and I can hate somebody else. And take it one step further, and this really scares me, it seems to be okay for us to hate people who have a different opinion than us. I mean, look where we've been the last year. An election, a pandemic, unresolved racial issues, those things have just made the hatred worse. And let me tell you this morning, just because we follow Jesus does not mean we are exempt from this. Not at all. As a matter of fact, listen to what I'm about to say. There are a good number of Christians who are actually fueling the hate. They're causing the hate to be worse. And I want you to hear what I'm about to say, because this may be said from no other stage in Lebanon, Tennessee today. Satan is on the sidelines and he's laughing at us because he's using politics and racism and a pandemic to divide us. And it raises this question. When did it become okay to hate? Hate. What makes it okay? I mean, I look at it from a perspective of somebody who follows Jesus. When did it become okay to hate? Because I talk to many people who profess to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and I can tell that there is hatred in their soul for other people. And maybe that's the reason this morning that you need to be reminded of something that is foundational when it comes to following Jesus Christ. It is foundational when it comes to our faith, and I want you to see it. The statement is simple. Love is the characteristic of anybody who follows Jesus. That's the foundation of our faith. Love is the foundation of who we are as a follower of Jesus. We're told that we are to be known for our love. As a matter of fact, this is what Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 35. He said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. But some of you would say, well, oh, but wait a minute. 
I don't agree with this party's platform, or I don't agree with that other party's platform, or I don't agree with this person, or I don't, what if I have an enemy? What if the other person is my enemy? Well, Jesus addressed that in Matthew 5, verse 34. He said, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. The Apostle Paul reminded us when he was speaking to one of his audiences in Titus. Here's what he said in Titus 3, verse 3. He said, at one time, we too were foolish, hating one another. The Apostle John also had something to say about this. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 9, he says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister, that person is still in darkness. 1 John 4, verse 20. He says, whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or a sister, is a liar. Now listen to me this morning, Crossroads. As a follower of Jesus, if you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, listen to me, you're not to be known for your hate. You are to be known for your love. You are to be known for your love. And each one of us in this room, each one of those watching online, listening online, has a choice. We have a choice how we're going to respond to the hate that we see among us. We can either pour more fuel on the fire and make it worse, or we can pour water on the, on the hate and diffuse the flames. Now think about that. When, when we talk about pouring water on this issue of hate, to diffuse the flames, it, it, it kind of brings up the question, what would that look like? I mean, how, how can I, as a follower of Jesus, love in a way that diffuses hate and makes a powerful statement to the world about the love of God? How can I do that? Well, in Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul gives us real insight when it comes to loving difficult people. He gives us real insight when it comes to loving difficult people in difficult situations. And, and today, here's the thing I want to do. I want to challenge those of you in the room and those watching online. I want to challenge you because this morning, I think these are words, the words of the Apostle Paul. I think these are the words that every one of us need. And in chapter 12, this is the way the Apostle Paul addresses this issue. He says this. He says, love must be sincere. Now, now, here's the thing. When you see the word love, you have to understand uh, that, that, that the love that he's talking about is the word agape. And, and, and many of us have heard the word agape. Uh, again, it, it's, it's the word that basically says, which means it's, it's not a feeling, that love is not a feeling, but that agape kind of love is actually a decision that you're going to make. It's a decision of the will. You're going to make a decision to love other people. And some of you would say, well, how can I love somebody that I don't have feelings for? Well, Paul gives us the insight because love is an agape kind of love. You're going to make a decision to love somebody. It's a decision that you make. Now, he says this. He says, love must be sincere. And the word sincere is, is actually kind of translated, and I just want you to track with me here for just a moment. The word sincere is, is actually means without wax. And you're thinking, that, that, that makes absolutely no sense. Well, follow me. Because in the first century, the finest pottery was all, honestly very thin pottery, which that meant that that first century pottery was very easy to crack. Now, here's what would happen. The dishonest pottery people would take a piece of pottery that had a crack in it, and they would put wax on it, and they would seal up the crack, and then they would take paint, and they would paint over the piece of pottery so that somebody purchasing that piece of pottery could not actually see the cracks in the pottery. But the trick was this. I don't know if they knew it then, but again, we know it now. If you actually held that piece of pottery up to the light, the light would expose the cracks. And here's what I believe Paul is saying. 
Paul is saying to us, when God's love gets lifted up and God's sunlight shines through, does it show a lot of cracks that you've been trying to hide up, hide and cover up? Have you been living your life, listen to me, Crossroads, have you been living your life pretending like your life is the real deal? And Paul is telling us, love sincerely. Now listen to me, love everyone. Love the people that Jesus died for. And when you love them, love them without being a hypocrite. Love the people on the other side of the political aisle. Love them whether they're a Democrat or whether they're a Republican. Love the other political candidate because love must be sincere. That's what Paul is saying in Romans 12 verse 9. Then in verse 10, look at what he says. Be devoted to one another in love. Now, in verse 9, when he talked about love, Paul was talking about that, that unconditional love. But the word here in verse 10 is, is phileo. That kind of love is a friendship kind of love. That's that kind of love that says, I like you. Paul says, be devoted to one another in love. In other words, I love you. I, I like you. Now think about that. Hold on to that. Because I have heard people in the church say, you know what? We're supposed to love everybody, but we don't have to like them. Anybody heard that? We're supposed to love everybody, but we don't have to like them. But I'm going to stand here this morning and tell you that don't work with God. How would you like God to love you that way? Well, I love Randy, but I really don't like him. <laughs> That's not the way we want God to love us. Paul is, telling us. Paul is telling us to love them and to like them. Because again, we need to understand, is that not how Jesus loved us? I mean, Jesus died for us. Even when we weren't lovable. Even when we were sinners. Jesus died for us. Now let me tell you, let me tell you this. When I talk about this kind of love, I'm talking about social media. Oh, Randy. When I talk about this kind of love, I'm talking about politics. Yes, I'm going to go there today. You know, Ike Turner on the John Boy and Billy show says, let me preach on it. I'm saying this morning, let me preach on this. Let me preach on it. Because the problem this morning with social media is that people are brave behind the keyboard. People are brave behind a keyboard. And when people are brave online, you know what they do? They get aggressive online. And they will say things and do things that they would never say to any person if they were face-to-face. -face. See, in the past, it seems like we could get together and we could respectfully disagree. Am I right? I mean, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, we could get together and we could disagree about something and we could do it respectfully. But now, instead of attacking somebody's content, you know what we do? We attack their character. Instead of attacking the content, we attack the person. Instead of saying, we can just disagree, we get down in the comment section and we call them an idiot. We call them an idiot. We call them stupid because they don't agree with me. Now, here's the thing. When you criticize content, do you understand what you're doing? You're talking about ideas. You're talking about ideas. You're arguing about ideas. But let me tell you this morning, people. When you move to character, you are slam dunking people who are made in the image of God. You are demeaning a person who is made in the image of Almighty God. And there's no other way for me to say this to you this morning, but let me tell you this morning, if you are attacking people's character on social media, you are committing a sin. There's no other way around it. So my warning to you this morning, some of you are really into social media. Man, I'm telling you, I've, I've backed way off. But if you're one of those people who's on social media all the time, my warning to you this morning is to be careful.
Because if you are mocking other people and you are attacking them, then you need to understand the Holy Spirit of God is grieved by what you're doing. He is grieved by what you're doing. It's one thing to discuss ideas, but it's another place to attack a person and their character. So listen to me this morning. For the sake of your soul, you may need to leave this audience today, and you may need to go on social media, and you may need to unfriend some people. You may need to unfollow some people. Or you may be one of those people who needs to stay off social media altogether. Can somebody get a bulletproof vest? Because now I'm going to talk about politics. And I'm probably going to need it. (laughs) I want you to hear me. I want you to know that this church, listen to me. This church will never endorse a political candidate, and we will never endorse a political party. I mean, that's just the way it is. We are not going to endorse a Republican, and we are not going to endorse a Democrat. But because we do not endorse one side or the other or one side over the other, it does not mean that we will not talk about difficult issues. I mean, think about it. It's not like Jesus didn't give us clarity. It's it's not like Jesus didn't give us moral clarity when it comes to many of the issues of our day that we're all talking about. But I want you to understand from this stage that Crossroads Church in Lebanon, Tennessee will always be a political free place, a political free zone. It's a place that you can come into and you can vote Green Party, Republican Party, Democrat Party, or no party, or let's all party. But it will be a political free zone. Because here's the thing I learned. I mean, being just 45 years old, <laughs> I've used that till I'm blue in the face. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm 25, honestly. I learned many years ago that followers of Jesus can have different opinions. I learned years ago that Christians can have differences when it comes to how their faith convictions are going to be expressed in the voting booth. I mean, I get it. There are people who are always going to tell you, wait, 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 I know how Jesus would vote. I know that Jesus, I know Jesus would vote for a Republican because he was always using his right hand. So if he was using his right hand, that means he's leaning right, so he's going to be a Republican. And then somebody else would use some excuse. Well, well, I can tell you why Jesus would vote for a Demo- would be a vote Democratic because I mean he always did this and you know he was always about this and he was always about that. So I know that Jesus would vote on the Democratic ticket. People are always going to tell you they know how Jesus would vote. But here's the thing I would tell you: every follower of Jesus Christ should ask the Holy Spirit to help you discern how you should vote. You should ask the Holy Spirit to help you to discern how you should vote. See, I I think about this, and it it, kind of brings up a, a, a time when some people tried to throw a question to Jesus, a trick question, and they ask him, Is it right for Jewish people to pay taxes to the Roman government? I mean, here's the thing you have to understand. They were trying to trick Jesus up. Because the Jewish people who were in the audience, they wanted Jesus to say, you know what, the Jews should not pay taxes to Caesar. And the members of the Roman Empire wanted Jesus to say that Rome comes first. So they asked the question, well, is it right for Jewish people to pay taxes to the Roman government? And Jesus said, somebody, somebody in the audience, bring, bring, me, bring me a coin. And they brought him a coin, and he held the coin up, and he said, okay, whose picture's on this coin? And everybody there could not deny whose picture was on the coin. They said, Caesar. And here's how Jesus responded. He said, give back to Caesar 
what is Caesar's? And to God, what is God's? In, in, in other words, Jesus was saying, you are citizens of two kingdoms. So fulfill your responsibility to God and fulfill your civic responsibility to the government in which you live. And here's what I would say this morning. If you are an American citizen, you have been given the civic responsibility and the incredible privilege, might I add, to cast your vote at the voting booth. It's your civic responsibility, and it's an incredible privilege. And if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then I would always urge you to prayerfully get on your knees and listen to me. Listen, discern for yourself what you believe are the greatest issues of the day. And then pray for wisdom and ask the Holy Spirit to guide your vote. And when you go into the voting booth, whether it's local, state, or federal, vote your values. When you go into the voting booth, vote your values. But here's something I want to encourage you to do. As a follower of Jesus Christ, here's the thing I want to challenge you to do. Always put love over politics. Always put love over politics. Be the person who loves people first. Love all the people first and the Democrats or the Republicans or the Green Party second. Because Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God. But what did he say the second commandment was? To love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, to love people. Always, always, listen to me. Let me challenge you. Always put love over politics. Some of you are like, you're totally confused because you're so right wing or left wing or whatever. You're like, wait, wait, wait. I don't understand this. I mean, to me, it's clear. It's simple. Well, think about it. In that little group of 12, Jesus selected a zealot who hated the Roman government. And at the same time, he selected a zealot who hated the Roman government. He called a tax collector who actually worked for the Roman government. You got two different people, and each of them despised the other's political opinions, the other political positions. But they came into that little group of 12 and they became one. They became one because of their common love for Jesus. So the question this morning is this. Can't we do the same? I mean, think about it. Jesus did not allow political dissension to divide his ranks. And in this century, we should not allow this to happen either. So listen to me this morning. I want you to understand we're talking about love. We're talking about anger. Here's the thing you have to understand. You can love unconditionally and disagree with people politically. You can love unconditionally and disagree with people politically. Think about it like this. What if we all in this room and online, what if we all committed right now today that we were going to love our neighbor like we love ourselves? If we made that commitment and we saw that commitment through, just think how different this church would feel. Think how different this community would feel. If we just said, we're going to love our neighbors as ourselves. You know what would happen? We would need most of the laws that are on the books right now. If we were going to treat each other like we treat ourselves, we wouldn't need laws. We'd need very few. My grandmother and granddad lived in Tri-City uh, in western Kentucky. For most of their life, I can remember, the back door was never locked and the front door was never locked. If you and I loved our neighbors as ourselves, we would not need to lock our doors. Amen? 
We could leave the car open. We could leave money on the seat. We wouldn't need the laws that are on the books right now. Now, let, let, let me share something with you. How tragic would it be for a friend or a neighbor in your life to have something going on? But as a follower of Jesus, now think about this. Some of you need to think about this because I had to think about this. How tragic would it be that somebody in your circle, somebody that knows you really well, would have something going on in their life where they needed some help, they needed somebody spiritual to, to speak into the situation, but they would not come to you because of something that you posted on social media that was political. They would not allow you into their life because of something that you said. You lost your influence because of something you said or something you posted. Listen to me this morning. Political candidates are going to win and they're going to lose. But this church wins or loses on how you treat people. Political candidates are going to come and go. But this church is going to win or lose based on how we treat other people. Let me tell you this morning, because some of us are all just, we're just all into this. It doesn't matter who's president because Jesus is still the king. I don't follow Biden. I don't follow Trump. I follow the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You cannot align yourself with a political candidate and make all of these things, post all of these things, say all these things, because you'll lose your influence with other people. So always put love above politics. Because Republican or Democrat, left or right, you're all precious in his sight. Because Jesus loves the little children of the world. So in Romans 12, Paul says that love must be sincere. Love must be a devoted kind of love. A devoted kind of love where you're devoted to one another. And then he says this in verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Bless those who persecute you. Why would, why would Paul say that? Because our natural tendency is to do just the opposite. How many of you, like me, have said, I don't get mad, I get even? I mean, I, you know, it's, I, I mean, even right now, sometimes you just get so mad when somebody's done you wrong that you say, you know, ooh, I'm just like, Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> it's our natural impulse to do, to do exactly the opposite of what Paul says. Our instinct is not to bless those who hurt us, but to hurt those who hurt us. And Paul says, bless those who persecute you. And you say, well, how do I do that, Randy? How do I bless somebody who has, has hurt me, that's done something to me? And I'll tell you, practically speaking, the easiest way I know for you to bless somebody is to get on your knees and start praying for them. The best way that you can bless somebody who has hurt you in some way is to start praying for them. I mean, think about it. When Jesus was on the cross, what did he do? He prayed for the people who were killing him. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen was stoned to death for his faith in Jesus Christ. And you know what Stephen did? Most of you need to read the story this afternoon, Acts chapter 7. Stephen, while he was being stoned to death, was praying for the people who were throwing stones at him. And among the people who were there when Stephen was being stoned was a guy by the name of Saul, who later would become the great missionary and the great apostle Paul, who is the writer, ironically, of the words that we're reading today. And see, here's the thing. Listen, track with me on this. I don't think there can be any doubt 
that the choice that Stephen made to pray for the people who were stoning him, to pray for the people who were persecuting him, that was probably one of the main things that transformed Paul's life and turned him to Jesus. Because Paul was there. So here's what you need to understand. The church of Jesus Christ owes Stephen. We owe Paul to the prayers of a martyr named Stephen. And here's the thing. Things like this have happened through history. Things like this have happened when people saw true forgiveness. And I want you to hear me this morning. I guarantee you when you pray for the people on the other side of the aisle, when you pray for the people who are in the other political party, when you pray for people who have demonstrated racism towards you, it will begin to change something in you. It will change your attitude toward them. And I'll tell you, you will be a happier and healthy person. If you'll just take the time to pray for the people who are hurting you. Pray for the people who are persecuting you. Persecuting you. There, there's so much in, in, in Romans chapter 12 that I would like to cover it all this morning. But l- let me just show you a few things that I think are so important. Look at verse 17. Paul says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I mean, that's pretty clear, isn't it? You, you really don't even have to explain that. I mean, here's the thing about Paul, and here's what he's writing. He's being very realistic in what he just wrote. He knows that peace is not always going to be possible with every person. So what does he tag that with? As far as it depends on you. Do it. As far as it depends on you is in your control. You need to do it. Don't be controversial. Don't get on, uh, on Instagram this afternoon and blah, 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 blah. I mean, don't get on Facebook. Don't get on what, on Tinder. Uh, well, not Tinder. That's a dating site. <laughs> well, I mean, it might be there too. I don't know. I've never been there. <laughs> I was trying to think of the new one. What's it? What's it? There's a new one. No, there's another one. Uh, there's so many that they've come out with now that everybody's getting, you know, I can't remember it. But, uh, uh, but don't, get, don't be controversial. Don't antagonize people. And from a Christian's perspective, if you're looking for dates, go to more fish in the sea. I think that's a good one from what I've heard. <laughs> but don't antagonize people. If you have to, listen to me, Crossroads, bite your tongue. Swallow your pride. Be humble and keep the peace. Look at, look at verse 19. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. This is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. When somebody hurts you, when somebody does you wrong, it's hard for you, Crossroads, I understand, because it's been hard for me, but this is the verse that I lean on. Leave it to God. God will see, this is what he says, God will see that the person who has done you wrong will pay for it. And here's the thing, we have to believe it. It's something that we may never see, but God is the one who is making the promise that he will even the score. You might not see it in your life, but somehow, someway, God is going to even the score. And then Paul says something else. It's, It's not enough to just repress your anger. But we have to take a positive action toward our enemy. Look at verse 20. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap coals on his head, burning coals on his head. Do not overcome by evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. That's hard, isn't it? It's hard to overcome evil with good. 
You know, uh, two or three years ago, maybe longer than that, somebody was slamming me on social media. And, and, and let, me, let, me, let me tell you, there was no truth to this. They were just slamming me. And I can't give out a lot of information, but I'll give you what I can. They were slamming me about something that supposedly happened. Well, interestingly enough, there was a group of people around me who knew exactly what happened. But this person went to social media just blasting me. And I tell you, the angry people live in the comment section. Again, all of the comments under there were people I didn't even know, but they were expressing their opinion based on what the other person had said about me, which wasn't even true. So I, I, I didn't even see it, but I was called about it and told about it, and, and it was read to me. And I, I have to be, for my emotional health, I have to be very careful about reading stuff online because it can send me into a spiral. I mean, is anybody like me? I mean, it just, it just tears you apart, especially when you know it's not true. And, and I had multiple people call me and say, Randy, you, you need to respond to this. You need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. You got to say something. You got to defend yourself. And again, I was at the place where I talked about earlier in this message. I had a choice. I could pour more fire or fuel on the fire, or I could take some water and I could put it out. So you know what I chose to do? Even though they were bashing me, I said, you know what? I'm not going to say anything. Because when you don't say anything, eventually the conversation just dies out. I let it go. It took three or four days and it was gone. But I was hurt. I was hurt. I'll tell you I was hurt. Maybe six months later, eight months later, a year later, I don't remember exactly. I was in Mr. Poncho's. And I was with somebody from church. There may have been several of us from church down there. And it was an evening, and I looked across the restaurant, and I saw the person who had blasted me on social media. The first time I had seen them, and they didn't see me. So I did what I love to do. I heaped some coals up on top of that heap. And I told the Lord, I said, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this out of love, because, again, I'm just going to trust you, God. I called the waiter and I said, see that table over there? Can you send me their check? And needless to say, they had a few margaritas and some stuff, you know, but I still paid for it. They never saw me. I walked out and I left. About two days later, I got a message. I don't know whether the people who owned the restaurant gave them my name. But that person sent me a message thanking me for buying their dinner and apologizing for what they did to me. Give it to God, people. Don't take it under yourself to try to even the score. You'll never succeed. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Leave it up to Him. It's hard to do, but it's the best thing to do. I'm going to call her out. I always say, take what road, Glory Dove? The high road. It's hard. It's always hard to take the high road. Some of you are going to remember that I own several convenience stores. I try not to refer to that too much because, again, uh, it gets kind of redundant. But I had a location that was in East Tennessee, and I'd hired a guy who was a good Christian boy, young man. He had children. I hired him to run one of my stores because I couldn't be there all the time. I had like 11 locations at one time. You had to have people that you trusted. This guy invited the things that were, you know, uh, ministry-oriented things that we were doing back then in the 90s, and he came to those things, brought his family, brought friends, and always talked the talk. I mean, he, he was a Christian, but he, but he fell into addiction. Started taking prescription drugs. I didn't know that. One day I was looking at my bank statement, and I was noticing that there were several deposits 
that we seem to be behind on. And I, I called the, the, the kind of the regional guy who kind of oversaw that area for me. And I said, hey, can you go check on this? And he went to the bank and, and went to the store. And we found out that the guy was holding the deposits back because he had taken the cash, $30,000 worth. We confronted him. And he admitted it. And I said, look, I, I don't want to go to the police. I'll deal with this if you'll just get me my money back. And he said, Randy, here's what I can do. I have an annuity that gets paid every year, evidently from an accident that he was in, and they were paying him over the years. And he said, I'll just sign this annuity over to you, and it will cover the, the money that I took, and it will also cover a little bit of interest. We filled out the paperwork. I had possession of the annuity. One year, two year, three year, four years, I got my payment. He was slowly paying me back. But here's the interesting thing. On that fifth year, at the agreed upon time, I, I noticed that that, that that payment never hit the bank account. And I called him and I got no response. I called uh, friends of his and I got no response. I contacted the annuity company and I said, hey, uh, we're just checking on this uh, payment that we were due. And they said, well, it looks like that some paperwork was sent in. And it had been sent in by the guy who had stolen from me. He redirected the annuity back to himself. And so I missed that final payment. Now here's the thing. Not only did he get me once, he got me twice. And let me tell you, the hurt was deep. I reached out to him and I continuously tried to get a hold of him, but he would never respond. And eventually all I could do, listen to me, Crossroads, is let it go. All I could do was pray for him, even though the hurt was so deep. And here's what I want you to hear me say this morning. I don't know your situation, but if you hold on to hurt, listen to me. If you write anything down, you need to write this down. If you hold on to hurt, it will turn into hate. If you hold on to the hurt that somebody else has inflicted on you, it will turn into hate. But if we will do what Paul said, if we will love each other, if we will forgive each other and love our enemies, love those who have done us wrong, then internally we will enjoy peace and joy and freedom. Now think about that. Isn't that the way of Jesus? This is the way of Jesus. They cursed him. He blessed them. They nailed him to a cross, and he prayed for them. They mocked him, and he said, Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. So today, here's what I want to do. I want to leave you with something that I hope that you will take to heart. And I will hope you will practice this above all else. The thing I'm asking you to do is this. Love your opponent. Love the person that's hurt you. Love the person that you see as your opponent. Take the time to, to show love to somebody that you view as your opponent. Maybe it's a person of another race. Maybe it's a person from another political party. Maybe it's a, a person that you work with. Maybe it's another religion. Maybe the opponent is actually in your family, or maybe it's somebody that you follow on social media. I'm just asking you to love your opponent. I mean, think about it this morning. What could you do today to show love to somebody else that you view as your opponent? 
when you leave here today, maybe you go to Sunset or maybe you go to Crackle Barrel, maybe you're in the drive-through. And the person that you really don't like, the person that's hurt you is behind you or they're sitting at another table. What could you do today to show love to that person, the person that's hurt you? Because here's the thing, a follower of Jesus is to be known by our love, not hatred. So love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless them. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Now listen to me this morning. The future can be dark or it can be different. But I'm going to put my money and my efforts and my energy and my prayers behind this. I'm going to put all that I have behind the future being different. And that's what I encourage you to do. Would you bow your heads and pray with me this morning? All across this room, even those watching online. Here's my question. As you're bowing your head and as you're sitting there in the darkness of this room, or maybe you're at home, or maybe you're in your office, what is God saying to you? What is God saying to you? Who is there in your life right now that you can show unconditional love to? That you can just show unconditional love to? Who is that person? Just right now, think about what you can do to show God's unconditional love to them. What can you do? Maybe this morning you're at, at, a, at a place where God is speaking to you about His grace. His love for you. Have you ever made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Right now, wherever you are, you can do that. You can say, God, just simply this morning, it, it, it's so overwhelming to understand your love for me. And this morning, God, right where I'm seated, I accept what Jesus gave me, his life for mine, grace and forgiveness and freedom. I call him my Lord and Savior because I want to be your follower and I want to spend eternity with you. God, my prayer this morning for all of us is this. May we be known for our love. May we be known by our love. May we be difference makers. May we put down all of the hurt that has been inflicted on us may we be the people that you've called us to be. People of love, not hatred. People of love, not angry people. God, we love you and we thank you for this time together as we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.